back. Pulls up for three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Hey there, a big welcome from me, Mark Woods, to the latest edition of the MVP cast brought to you in association with Total Environmental Compliance. Check out their consultancy services for a whole range of environmental issues at tucompliance.co.uk. If you like the podcast, please hit the subscribe button, then you won't miss a single episode. And do sign up for the new MVP newsletter, the post up exclusive content. Subscribe at mvp247.com. Now, our guest this time is someone who I've wanted on for a while. I've been pestering him for a while as well, so I'm glad we've got him. He is the only Brit to get picked up in the NBA draft in the last 11 years. Number 49 to San Antonio in 2010. Since then, quite incredible career. All stops all over the world and beyond. And thankfully now for us, he is back in the BBL with the Surrey Scorchers. Ryan Richards, welcome to the MVP cast. Amazing. Thanks for having me. Um, I mean, it is, it's been quite a while, quite a life and quite a career, etc. Um, you've got, let's start, you've got a big date coming up next month. 30 years young. Uh, 29, I think. No. <laughs> but, but, uh, Wikipedia yeah. can they never be wrong. <laughs> I mean, let's uh, look back at, I mean, this last decade. I mean, obviously, the decade before, you were already living the high life, playing as a pro drafted in the NBA what's the last decade been like your 20s in comparison to what you expected from it uh very quick very 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 quick uh, a lot faster than I even anticipated um as a kid you know you you think you'll be in the NBA and be an all-star and an NBA champion etc etc and when and that didn't happen for me um but it's been amazing it's been truly amazing i've had a a great career um seen different cultures you know financially done very well invested very smartly and had a great you know a great career i can't really complain uh where i thought i would be i thought i would leave the nba and score and i thought i would be an all-star again i i believed in myself and i believed i was uh porzingis before porzingis is how i've always told people but it's been amazing. It's been amazing. It's been really quick. And I'm scared to think about the next 10. But no, it's been great. Do you consider it a success or a failure? You know, just, you know, judging by the benchmark of, I thought I'd be leading the NBA in scoring. Does the last 10 years feel like a success or failure? I think it's a huge success because of what I managed to do uh, financially in hitting Asia and certain markets, I think. And, and basically not having to work basketball, which is pretty impressive to me. And I've had a lot of good people along the way that have helped me, you know, understand money and learn the value of money and how to invest. So that, before it all, that was always my biggest fear was, okay, I'm leaving school at 15 years old, but what if I get injured or what if fast doesn't work out? That was always my biggest fear. So the fact that I've kind of managed to, you know, knock it on the head and, and, and set myself up well, it's a huge success. Now, the NBA side, a lot of people have opinions and say, but... I had injuries, man. I went in with needing double shoulder surgery. You know, I got drafted needing double shoulder surgery um, off the bat. So, and then into a lockdown. Um, so, it makes me feel a little easier at night that I wasn't healthy. I missed my little window. And maybe it makes me, you know, make this, I think I tell myself to say, ah, you know, 
But no, I would say it's a huge success what I managed to achieve. As far as I've never been a huge fan of EuroLeague basketball, I've never been a huge fan of uh, European competition as, as, as you're a champion here or an MVP in this league or that. It was always NBA, 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 NBA. If it's not NBA, I didn't care. And I've still kind of got it with me a little bit and I carried, carried that throughout my career. So I followed the money. I went to the money rather than working my way up in certain leagues and and I no regrets, man. I truly loved it. I love the way that, that you referred to the NBA lockout as lockdown. You see, that's the mentality we're all in now. We're talking about lockdown. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's look through this. I mean, the CV is amazing. I, and before I, I went to this, I just didn't appreciate it because you, you know you don't take it all. Twenty three different clubs. Here's the countries, and you can tell me if I've missed any out: Switzerland, Iran, Mexico, Austria, Estonia, Georgia, Hungary, Greece, Poland, Lebanon, Bahrain, Macedonia, North Macedonia, as we should officially call it, Belgium. And of course, the UK. Am I missing anything? Uh, you know, there's Arab Emirates. Did you get that one in there? No. There's Lebanon. There's uh, Russia. There's, there's many. There's loads. But a lot of things is a lot. A lot of people forget is they look at that. They bloody hell. But Asia, a lot of leagues, they don't over. They don't overlap. So you'll go somewhere from January. I mean, I played in in Lebanon for two weeks for a cup, and then that's a stamp. Oh, we played in. So, and you play for that club. But it's kind of, you know, age is kind of cool because you can go from January to April somewhere and then you can go May to June and then you can go from June to October and then, you know. Uh, but no, uh, I'm, I would have to double check. But I think you've missed someone. I think I've missed someone else. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, as a purely point of view, and you and I both like, we've talked about this, we both like travelling, we both like seeing the world. What's been the standout places just to go to? Iran, by far. It was nothing like I expected. Um, I got there and I asked how to say pass the ball in Arabic and got punched in the mouth instantly because they speak in Persian, which I've learned to pick up pretty well from being there three years. The people, um, how they're sensitive, you know, and how, you know, they're very manipulative, but I kind of like how they play the game, you know. They're very passionate, you know. Uh, we have a lot of things in common, you know. Uh, Iran, great country, great, great people. Ended up being there for three years, had a little stint there, like, made some huge, some, you know, great friends uh, that will be at the wedding. Um, the head coach, Meron Shintab, who is the uh, national team head coach, who's going to be having uh, Aaron, who just signed with the Giants in the Olympics, is a great friend of mine. So Iran, for me, was by far special. Um, where else? Austria, Vienna, was top city of mine, somewhere I wanted to move. And then Chicago. I spent a lot of time in Chicago early on in the summers, uh, somewhere I loved, uh, where I actually met my fiance. Um, but many, everywhere I've been, I've managed to, as I got older, I managed to enjoy it more. Uh, when I was 22, 23, I think I was in Georgia, I was in Hungary, and I, I, I just went, I, I went, I went practice home, practice home. And as I got a bit older, I started to appreciate things more and, uh, for me, it's Austria and Iran. They, they they take it home for me. Other end of the scale? Worst place? Apart from Surrey, obviously. You can't say Surrey. <laughs> no, me, I would say... Um, it all been great. Russia was hard. I was in Samara um, in Russia. That was tough. Very dark, very grey. Um, I was in the Abyss Hotel, which wasn't great. Um, Macedonia as well. I've got some great friends in Macedonia, but I wasn't a big fan. I, I didn't, I didn't love it there. But I think it was in between my Iran time. 
was a bit spoiled, I think, uh, salary-wise and also just the way they played. I think we played in the Adriatically. But no, even them, I had great times in Russia, I had great times in North Macedonia. But um, I would say they were the two that I wasn't the biggest fan of. How do you navigate that? I mean, is that is that the question of having a really good agent? Because these are not standard places. Some of them, there's some that are quite off the beaten track. Obviously, the aim is always to get paid. Always important, mm-hmm. is it in any kind of job? I mean, how much of a help of, of agent or agents been along the way to to get you into the right spot? I think for me, I was an unknown, and when I went to the draft, I kind of blew up and kind of shocked a lot of people. Um, but the Spurs, I mean, the Spurs stamp itself made me money because of people were interested and I wasn't like your you know Bertans or Thiago Splitter you know I was I didn't have an agent or a support system before so when I got drafted and the Spurs sent me back over to Europe and it didn't work out with the club I was kind of like getting these crazy offers and for me you know I went against all odds and got drafted and was nearly, you know, a top 15 pick before the injury. So when I got offered to go to Dubai and no one's been in Dubai before for silly money, I thought, yeah, I'm going to Dubai. I didn't know that it would upset people, but I was thinking about myself at the time. Um, but, and then it just snowballs, you know, you meet people, you meet teammates, like a lot of these people now, they say, oh, good agent. I'm sorry, but it's bullshit. It, it, a lot of these agents nowadays, they make a, they make a, a profile on the WhatsApp. They put your three links, they put references, they write what you're good at. Um, they put your social media because everybody wants to see your social media now if you're working out in the summer what you're doing and they put it in a group chat they put it in a group chat and then a team will say oh yeah we like him we want him or he's too old or not what we're looking for and then that's about it it's not really how it was back <laughs> it's really not how it used to be um, so I haven't had great agents um, I went with a lot of Deng's agent I think it was Josh Knockinson who got in <laughs> And that kind of that's understating my... it. Yeah, that messed my trust up a bit. Um, and then I went with Daryl Reshaw, who played in the BBL, who was an amazing guy, great guy. Uh, helped me understand the game a lot and understand that at the end of the day, it's what you get out of it, you know, at the end of your career. But I, but I got in an RIP to Lucky, who passed away yesterday uh, from inner performance, who kind of swept in and, you know, Said, listen, we're going to get you where you need to be, and, and I left Daryl, which you know, um, looking back, maybe I shouldn't have, but I did because of I wanted to be in the NBA, and I thought that's what I needed to be. And he was ter- in performance was horrible. They were horrible, man. They they there was no engagement, there was no interest, there was no looking after players. It was just a bunch of players thrown in a pot. Teams pick them out, and if you left at the end, it's like, yeah, well, we got this job or that job, take it or leave it. Um, but I never, had, I wouldn't say I've ever had great agents. Uh, in my career, um, minus my ones in Iran, Payam Zia, William McCandle as well. He was a great from Three Eye Sports. He was a great agent. We, I, I was in Hungary. He drove over to come see me from Atlanta, from word of mouth, from uh, a teammate of mine in Austria. And said, "This kid's special. Like he's only 23, putting up silly numbers. Check him out." And we was very successful um, together. And, and but apart from that, man. I, it's not a big fan of the old Asian game. I think it's in today's game. I think it's a scam, to be honest with you. Is there any club that you had an offer from that? I mean, I'm not necessarily even for the money, but just the club and that you kind of wish you'd said yes to. Uh, team in IB for. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I said, 
I would, I would, if they call me now, I'd, I'd be there. Um, um, I had an offer from, um, I'm going to say this terribly wrong. I was playing in Hungary in 2015, and I think I had a stretch of six games in a row with 40 plus and 15 rebounds. I led the Euro Challenge in scoring, which I don't even know what it's called now. I think it's Euro Cup or FIBA Europe. Euro Cup, yeah. Or no, I was second in scoring, maybe. Uh, and I was really dominant. I was, was 23. I was a little bit heavier than when I was when I was with the Spurs, but I finally got my confidence off a of double shoulder surgery. I was back banging and bruising, not just shooting jumpers and really just silly numbers. And I had an offer from uh, I Tel Aviv. Maccabi Tel Aviv come watch me in Hungary in Corman. And I also had Nizi Noriad in Russia. They're in the VTB. I don't know how to say it. They offered me a very good deal for a two-year deal. And they wanted to buy me out after the game from Hungary, from um, Russia. Now, I had a lot of bad experiences in Poland, the second Procom, and other European clubs with politics and Americans and coaches and everything. And I got an offer in Iran. And it was for, you know, obviously, um, more money and... and it was only for six weeks. It was only for six weeks. It wasn't for two years. It was for six weeks. But it was against Hamid Haddadi, who was the centre of the year in the CBA, which is where all NBA, you know, whatever you want to call them, rejects or draftees that don't make it, want to get to because it's in the millions. And I went there and absolutely destroyed him for six weeks uh, in the playoffs and met Meron Shaintab, who's now a great friend of mine, and ended up going to China. So it kind of worked out. But I do think, what if I would have went to that club would it have opened up doors? Would it have opened up doors for you know maybe Seska, um, for for other big teams in the VTB or the Euroleague? Um, but I do believe my game also. It's a unique game. It's a game that it's not everyone's flavour. It's not what everybody likes, and it's rare you find a coach that I had three coaches that year in Hungary. The first one I played twelve minutes. The second one I played fifteen minutes, and then the third one that finally came in played me forty minutes, and then so I kind of understood that. You know, take the money, take the money while it's there now because you don't know what's going to happen. Is there anywhere apart from the NBA of being the overseas example? Is there anywhere that you would love to play before you're done? Japan, I would love to go to Japan, um, New Zealand, Australia. I feel like, you know, I still feel like I've got plenty of basketball left. You know, I don't know if I really like, you know, lock it on, on you know, getting in the shape that I know I can get into. I've just got many years left with my game and the way I play, but it's. It is. It's 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 a smaller pool. There's more players coming that are younger and up now. I'm getting a little bit older, and you know it's the uncertainty of signing a player that has played for that many clubs. People are worried. People they do think mm, you know he's been here, he's been there. They don't know the ins and outs of the stories. But like you said, they look on Wikipedia, they read out the list of your clubs, and then they have an opinion. And GMs don't like that. Um, it has affected me with many jobs. Um, that I've been that I've been interested in, but I would love to get down to Australia, New Zealand, Japan. That would be that'd be nice to to kind of go out on that. Daryl Richard can get you into Japan. You just have to make up with him. <laughs> He's got his contacts. Talking yeah. agents. Um, let's go back to your teens. I mean, you went to the Nike Hoop Summit, and it's you know it's the biggest showcase in the world for for young talent. You go in there, you know, relative unknown, coming out of a country that's not exactly renowned for basketball. You know, you start to make an impression. You get intention. College coaches are looking. Oh, who's this guy? We might want to sign him. How do you navigate that at that young age? Well, I had a guy. I mean, he was a you know he was a he was a guy over his head. You know, he had um, Robert Robert Rihanna. He had Joel Freeland, who obviously you know the guy was working centuries and then eighteen months. He's a number one. He's a top professional. But what people don't understand is you know 
and a lot of people in English, my, not be a bit, but my talent, my ability, my size, and what I could do is there hasn't been many. And I'm talking the top. You talk. I'm talking KD, Porzingis. My skill level is at a level of that people you couldn't fathom it. A guy this big doing these things. So I had a guy that had Joel, and obviously Joel was a great player. But we're completely different. He's a high motor, high energy guy. Down, you know, and and people and he didn't know what he was doing with me. You know, we were sitting there having a eating in Memphis, and we have uh, Coach Chelsea coming up to us to speak to us. Rob's sitting there gobsmacked. He doesn't know what to do, what to say. <laughs> and he saw it as a as a gem. You know, this is this is my ticket. And rather than me continue to go to AAU or continue to be in the sink from 15, I got hidden, you know, for two and a half years, you know, to keep my stock, to keep my value simmered. So then when I did get onto the stage of the draft, uh, that I would blow people away. I obviously left him before that happened. And that's what happened. I blew people away and people remembered. And I ended up getting drafted. Um, but again, I tell people, I say, you know, it's like a movie. It would be a great Netflix show. It's some of the things that we, we the people we were in the gym with at the hoop summit, the one on ones and the battles, and, and the, you, I, I can't even think of a fifteen year old today. I can't think of a fifteen year old today that could go play with eighteen, nineteen year olds that could hold his own. You know, some practices I didn't do well. Some practices I, I shined. I can't think of one. I really, really can't. And as much as you know, me and Rob have got bad blood. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He didn't have a clue. You know, we didn't have any support systems. We didn't have any agents. We didn't have anybody. We just, here you go. Here's Derek Rose, Michael Beasley, Kevin Love, Nicholas Batum, Omar Caspi, the 19-18. Let's throw this kid in there. And boom, it blew up. It all kind of took off. And then it got controlled for, uh, you know, selfish, uh, selfish reasons. What was your development like at Canarias Academy? Because obviously Joel, you know, come out of it quite well. Went, I never went. Academy. I was at the ACB club. So sorry, sure. yeah, the Grand Canaria. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it was tough. It was tough. It was um, six a.m. start, two hours. Get the bus to school for about forty-five minutes. Um, we do an individual at lunch on our lunch break. The uh, one of the coaches would come to our private school and do an individual with us. We'd go home, have a quick bite to eat. We would train with the eighteens. I would train with the sixteens. I'm saying we because Ashley Hamilton. Was with me. Uh, then we would train with the EBA team, and then we would go and have a bit of food. And sometimes we'd get called up to the ACB club. So we were doing about four or five workouts a day for a good seven, eight months. Um, but our games developed so much. We 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 just took another level, um, and you could see it. Um, you know, when we came in, we we was I would say one of the better players on at the club. Ashley physically, me skilled wise, and also physically to my age. But by the end of our that first year, we you know we was we was another level. Um, and he went on to get his scholarship. I mean, I know he had Kansas. He had the, the, I'm really bad with college coaches, but he had the uh, the coach of Kentucky now was in the Grand Canaria gym watching Ashley two times. Mm. We had coach of uh, Bill Self. Yeah, we had Bill Self, and we had the. Uh, Calipari, mm. wearing K in the gym, watching Ashley, you know, Ashley and me work out two times a year, and, uh, sorry, twice in a month, and then they came at the end of the year. So it was it was amazing, but we wasn't tied to the ACB club. It was Rob that brought us in, and we were such talents that he was like, how do I kind of control this without locking these guys into the club with buyouts, keeping eligibility? It was, it was it must have been overwhelming for him, it must have been overwhelming for him, because there was so much talent coming through. 
uh, and then the following year they did the academy, um, which we had left at that point. I think actually within the year that I had left. Would that have been a good place to stay? Do you think, or was that even an option at the time? Um, no, I, I, I don't think. I think Real Madrid would have been a good place because me and you know, they, I went to play with them after that, mm. the international tournament. Me and Mira Citroen teammate, we did really well. I think that would have been a good place for me to stay. I would have said, you know, three, four years. But my goals always get drafted at 19, and that happens. So it's hard for me always to look back and say, oh, should I have done that? Should I have not done that? And then to get drafted by an organisation like that. You know, um, but I would say Real Madrid would have been a great setup for me at that age, for sure. You went to the Portsmouth Invitational, and it's the pre-draft. It's one of the biggest pre-draft things. And, and you know, Charles, I remember reading about the time, and okay, you were kind of on my radar, but I had no real concept of you know how good this young kid is. I know he's been in Spain. Then you go there, and you know, we log on the next morning to whatever it was, ESPN, SI, or whatever, and you're like everywhere. You're the guy that suddenly went from no one's radar in the states. So who is this guy and you know could he be the next big nba prospect what was that was that sort of 48 hours like from a you know in terms of transforming i mean it, tra- it kind of transformed everything because that was why you you got drafted and you know in, yeah. in so many respects i mean did it feel at the time like hold on a second everything has changed not really because i, I had the taste of it at 15 of the hoop summit and then every summer i was working out at Rice University with John Lucas. So I'm playing up with Yao Ming, Steve Francis, Gerald Green, J.R. Smith. So when I went into that thing, I had my confidence through the roof. You know, all these guys to me were my age and I'm the best player in my age in the world. You know, in my head, that's when I believe because I've just been playing up three years. The only guy that gave me problems was Marcus Cousins. That that guy there was, he was a bad boy. But the Derek Taylor, <laughs> the Cole Aldridge, the Hassan Whiteside, it was nothing. It wasn't any... It was nothing for me to, you know, so it was kind of fun. It was, I was killing and I didn't know I was killing. I was just working hard. When I woke up and got all saw the press, you know, it made me feel good. You know, it made me feel like finally, like, you know, there's no hiding me now. I'm eligible for the NBA. And it was, it was great. But it, a lot of people in the UK will say, man, like, you know, just how your excitement now was and your hype and how you came across. I had been in it through tournaments, through things. And it was just like, finally, you know, I'm getting my, you know, my respect, you know, I'm getting on the on the radar. Um, it was great. The combine itself was very cool. The only player I think that worked out was Patrick Patterson. I think all the guys that were top supposed to be top ten picks. I think thirty guys sat out because they were all supposed to go top ten. Um, I ended up playing against pretty much all of them because when you start off, the agents choose who they want in the workout. So if you have a top ten guy. He doesn't want another top 10 guy in that workout. They get an undrafted guy or a second rounder. Well, me, um, Lance Stevenson was one as well. Manny Harris were guys that we <laughs> agents were canceling workouts with him. When we had work, they were like, no, 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 we don't want the kid from England. We don't want him. And that gives you confidence. You know, you, you, you're number one, then you know you're not going to be top five. You believe you should be. But you understand it's a game. And I had Herb Rudoyk, phenomenal agent at the time, who was, he was telling me, you know, I've got, this guy messaged me, canceling the workout, canceling the workout. They don't want to join you with this guy. So you end up working out with second rounders, which is even better for you. And yeah, man, it's 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 something I wish I had more content of. I wish I had more content and more, you know, I wish it was now with all the social media. But phenomenal experience. Uh, huge, huge, uh, conf- not confidence boost, because I never had to struggle with confidence. I, I knew, but it was 
I started to doubt myself because 15, 16, 17, 18, I needed another kind of boom. And it was nice to wake up and see that and, and be appreciated. What's draft night like? Because I was talking to a few players on that evening or you know, just after they got drafted. And there's always that anticipation, particularly if you're a second rounder. So you, you, know, you think you're in, but you might be in, you might not be. You, know, you wait for the, you know, the balls to fall your way. What's that couple of hours like for you? Well, we had like three promises in the first round. And from him, from we had Milwaukee at 15, who took Larry Sanders. We had Atlanta at 24, who took Jordan Crawford. We had Memphis at 28, that took Grievous Vasquez. So, you know, it was, and then there was potentially Portland at 20, and then there was um, Rumbles even at 12 with Memphis, who took. Xavier Henry or Cole Aldridge, I can't remember now. But Memphis were really, you know, they were really in love. But what it was is we didn't release my medical uh, results, my medical um, history. We didn't release it until whatever. It wasn't out there. And at the combine, you do the medical, but they said, look, you're not going to do your medical because I wasn't a top 10, 15 pick. So I was an unknown. So when we're there, they haven't got time to MRI everybody. They're MRIing John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Wesley Johnson. So I didn't know how serious my shoulders were. I had no clue how bad it was, but the agency knew how bad it was. So they were very selective of who I worked out with. And, and yeah, but, um, my bad, I do this a lot. Uh, yes, draft night. So <laughs> I'm sitting there at the bar and we say, listen, you know what? We're going to do a shot at every pick because after the after the tenth pick we're gonna do a shot pick because we know we're gonna go first round then so we're like okay you know cool so it's me jeff durkin uh, my agent uh, who played in the bbl as well actually um and on the gb team i'm in chicago at a little bar and you know we were probably on like 22 and i was a bit upset about 15 it's with larry sanders and we you know we're shot 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 and you know it's getting to a point where we're like okay now you know 28 tickets coming, it doesn't happen. So we're like, shit. There wasn't really anybody that, so there wasn't anyone in between 35 and 45 that really, I kind of, that, that showed interest that they wanted to draft me. So we kind of calmed down on the drinking and stuff. So Spurs actually called um, Herb and said, he's right interested in going back overseas. If he is, we could potentially take him at 20. He said, he, they asked me, I think, at the 17th pick, and I said, no, I'm staying. I'm not going overseas. I've just been here for five years. I want to stay. I want to stay. And then they carried on. They didn't take me. It carried on, carried on, carried on, carried on. So about 46, I'm really down. You know, they took Tiny Gallon, who I had a lot of workouts with. They took some other guys. I went to the toilet. So I'm in the toilet, peeing. And next minute, boom, I hear the old bar going crazy, screaming, going mad. But they've obviously all got involved because of we're all hammered. So we're having time. We go out there. We're like, "Yo, you got drafted." Public called me instantly. Like, we're going to love. We're glad we got it done. We're excited to get down and we see you down here on. I think I don't know Thursday. It was a Tuesday or something. He's like, "Don't drink too much." He's like, "No, no, no. Of course not. No, of course not. I'm already probably twenty shots down." And the owner of the bar come out and he's like, "What the fuck?" And we're like, he goes, "What the fuck are you doing in here?" We're like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "You're 19 years old. So obviously it's 21 is illegal drinking." <laughs> And uh, we had to get out of there pretty quick. We ended up going to a club and uh, just parted the night away, man. Great memories, man. Miles Davis as well. Shout out my boy, Miles Davis. He was with me. And it was great, man. Uh, I had a recovery day. Went to East Bank Club. All the people from Chicago were know there. Got in the sauna for about four hours and then made my way down. 
I mean, scale of one to ten, how drunk were you when you talked to Greg Popovich? I was pretty, yeah, I was pretty messed. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it was good because the people in the back were hyping and screaming and, you know. But no, and I've had great chats with Pop every time I've gone down to Summerlee and we have a good relationship and he's given me great advice, you know, throughout my time down there. And he was he's a real guy. He's, you know, I always say the original geezer, but he might be the original geezer. How, I mean, what's those conversations like? Because every time I, you know, sprout at the, you bump into Spurs scouts or, you know, I you know, talk to people in the NBA, there's always that thing for about three, three four, five years where we're still monitoring Ryan, we're still looking at him, we're still, you know, keeping an eye, we still, you know, still might bring him over. How does that process for you play out, you know, because there might be summer league invites, there might be the odd occasional phone call from Spurs front office. I mean, what's that monitoring like for you? There was no monitoring for me, to be honest with you. I, I, I had a terrible agent. I didn't understand. I didn't know. Like, if they say to do this, then do it. If they say stay here, then stay here. I'm thinking, well, I was just playing here, then I'm playing here. And I got all these questions, you know. And, you know, like, you know, when the kids are really annoying and they're asking you questions and questions and questions. But that was me. That was me. And I was with the biggest agency who had Ginobili. It was like, just wait. You know, Thiago Splitter's just got there now. And he's been in the EuroLeague for eight years. I didn't want that, you know. That I wasn't, I wasn't mentally ready for that. I wasn't playing for a Euroleague great club. So, not until five years after I learned about the rule that you can force the the, the, the person that has your draft rights hand. I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, they never told me that. They never told me. If they told me that, I would have done it. Sorry, it's three years, if I'm not mistaken. I would have forced it after three years. I would have been 22 years old, healthy, just had a great season in Hungary, and who knows? But I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, I can't even tell you that I remember. I remember R.C. Buford came to a few games in Switzerland. I know Danny Ferry came to GB camp under 20s. But apart from that, I was just kind of left. I, I I think it was a long project for them. I think they thought, you know, we're going to keep them over there for four or five years. Um, but it was tough. It was tough playing in lower levels in Europe because guys looked at me and, you know, they wanted to prove something. You know, they're 26, 27, they're undrafted, and I'm 19 coming in, and they're the scoring leader. They're the leading scorer of the league. You know, they're trying to ask these in the stands. This is their moment. You know, they didn't try to help me. They didn't take me under their wing. And I didn't let them. You know, I've just been with these guys. I've just been a year with Tim Duncan. A whole year in the Spurs, and now I'm back in Europe with these guys that, you know, I can see for all the bullshit, you know, I can see for all the lies. I've, I've lived it for six years and then I get to see the top of the top. Very hard. Really always wish I had a big brother or a father or someone just to come everywhere with me, man. Like a young Cam Hill just got his dad everywhere. I see it and I'm like, damn, man, what if I had that? What if I had someone just like, yo, shut up, listen, do this, do that. I was learning on the fly, you know, I thought I knew it all and I didn't. And, you know. And I, and I didn't. And, you know, if I did, I, I, and I found it hard to trust people. After Josh Knockinson with Ben, you know, that scarred me a lot. And then, obviously, issues of the child. People think basketball starts when you get drafted. There are loads of mental health, mental issues, trust issues. There's, and no one ever thinks about that. Oh, Ryan's this and Ryan's that. No one actually really knows me. Um, or, you know, really knows me in the basketball community, even in England, because I left so young. So... It was tough. It was tough, but the moderating side, so sorry to drift off and go off and do that. Um, there were scouts that came to some games, um, but they just left me. They were like, he's there. They wanted to bring in Thiago, so they had Thiago to come in. They had other players as well that they were looking at. I think they took Bertans a year after me. 
Um, I think they took Dion Thompson as well uh, two years after. So, you know, you missed the boat. I missed the boat with injuries. You know, I wasn't healthy that year. If I was healthy that year, I would have signed. Um, that was clear. You know, we had the press conference ready. We had everything was ready for me to be a part of the Spurs that year. But I did the surgeries. And it didn't work out, man. It didn't work out. Was there ever, like, an end point? I mean, you, you know, because obviously draft rights kind of go on and expire, etc. But was there ever a point where they go, no, we're not going to bring you? Or is it, does it just kind of fade into the abyss? Not really, no. Like, my first year there when I was there, all the in, all the interns now are like, this and our head coaches in the NBA. Memphis head coach was intern. The Will Handy, who's, I think, second assistant. Is, is now getting Indiana Pacers job. Off, he was on the, the finalist list. Um, but every year I would go back, you know, they moved up a little bit. And I had gone back over to Europe and then I came back and I've moved up a little bit. But we're taking 25 guys to Summer League. 25. No one else is taking 25. Only the Spurs are taking 24. And then they're pushing, you got to remember, they're pushing the Austin Bays, they're pushing the Jeff. In the graph, I think he changed his name to A's. They're pushing those guys, and then we're getting the kind of leftover minutes to scrap for them. And then it's only a three-day, it's only a three-day camp before summer league. So you're just in there like, when's my chance? Like, when am I gonna, you know? And I managed to have great summer league games, but they were all in nine minutes. It wasn't in like, I think I had eighteen and five in one game. It was in nine minutes. I think I had nine and seven in another game. That was in six. There was just no chance. And then you got the new drafted players coming in. That they want to push because they want to send them back over to Europe, so they need to showcase. It was tough. It was tough, but I, I was just there. I was just there, man. I was there, going as hard as I could, doing as much as I could. But no guidance. No guidance from my side. No, no, no support system from my side to kind of you know just take your time. It's going to come, you know, because those great games I had in the summer league would always at the end. But what if I would have known? Hey, Ryan, you're not going to play. You're not going to play in the first game. But the last game, we're going to let you rock out a little bit. Well, imagine if I would have known that going into the start of the Sunday. It would be completely different. You'd be cheering, you'd be clapping, you'd be positive, you'd be happy. It was more of a... There's a lot of tests with the Spurs. They like to test you, to poke you, to prod you, to see, you know, uh, how you act in Vegas, the nightlife, when you're going out the party. They like to do it all. And, and I just... I want to hoop. I want to play basketball. I'm competitive, I'm hungry, you know, I can do this. You know, I didn't understand that side of the game and that's what I try to tell guys now. There's so much more to it than that. Do you think, I mean, there was an interesting moment during your career. I was there at that point in time and it was at the time I didn't know what it was and you, know, you wouldn't have indicated. We crossed paths at a hotel door in Riga in the yeah. summer of 2011. You were coming out and you had your bags and I just thought, yeah, I said hi to you, you said hi to me. I thought you were off to a gym, never really thought much about it. Walk in the hotel. It was before Eurobasket. I'd, I'd rocked up a couple of days before the tournament started. And because you, you were leaving the squad, I didn't know that at the time when we said hi. Um, otherwise, I would have stuck a tape recorder under your nose, as, as I do. Um, and I go in and I find out, obviously, that you, you've not made the, made the cut. And for a long time, that was the last time you played for GB. What, uh, what went on that? Because it, it happens. You cannot make the cut and you were still I think even an under 20 player at that point in time what yeah, what was the situation that soured things so much for you from that point um I just think for me I kind of I was spoiled 
you know, the hoop summit, the draft, the year with the San Antonio Spurs, against all odds, you know, I did all of that. And then I come to GB and it's just a bunch of dicks, man. <laughs> if I'm honest with you, you know, you got your guys like Kieran that it was just, I was competing for Kieran's position. Put me on his wing, top guy, like, you know what I mean? Like, people shouting me at shots, and he's like, if I was fucking him, I'd shoot that as well. Like, I mean, you got guys in the other sense, complete dicks. This is their chance to have anything in life, and you know, and, and and I didn't understand that, you know. Get on with the guy that's in the BBL, get on with the guy that's known the head coach for 15 years. Be smart. I'm in there, like, I'm better than him, you know, so I'm going to prove I'm better than him. Rather than a hand off, I'm going to hold the hand off and I'm going to attack him. I'm going to dunk, I'm going to abuse this guy, I'm going to go at this guy because he's the weak link. And, you know, and I've got guys telling me that. I didn't play the game, I didn't know to play the game. You know, the people that I should have been cool with, I wasn't cool with. The people that, you know, that I could have maybe been a dick to were the ones that were nice to me. Uh, but why were they nice to me? Because I was probably a threat. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a fine game. I didn't know these things then. And then me and Chris, you know, people say we had bad blood and fucking big shot. It wasn't bad blood. It was him trying to break a kid that had no trust. He wanted me to trust in him, but I could have trusted him because I didn't trust in anybody, and I got pissed around for three years. You know, and that's that's basketball. That's even before you're talking my life. You know what I've been through, and we just clashed. We're not, you know, we would never be in a bar and have a few drinks and be friends. We're not the same person. Sometimes you're not the same. It just doesn't happen, does it? But there's a job and you've got to be professional and you've got to handle your business and stuff. And I took things personal. I always took things personal. So I think I was phenomenal in the GB under 20s. Um, I think I was great in the early GB stuff. I struggled in the qualifiers, I think it is, the London quali uh, Olympic qualifications, or no, sorry. That's it, what was it called? The, 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 the London Jamboree, let's call it. That's it, yeah. and I I had a role of kind of what I kind of have now in the BBL, of like a microwave, like a scorer, you know, fill it up quick and, and be aggressive, but we've got the world then, we've got Pops Mentor Bunster, we've got Joel Freeland, like, so there are guys now, right, actually we didn't have Pops, he was injured, so we've got Deng, and with these are our guys that we're going through. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm better than Joel. I believe that. I'm better than Joel. So I'm, I'm going to, I want to show that. But not rather than Chris giving me six to eight minutes. And he even kind of, which was a great part for me, was he even, he thought, right, you, can, you know you can pass the basketball, right? You can pass the ball. But he gave me a role of being a scorer, of being a spark off the bench, which I now love, which I love having. But I didn't take it as that was my little role. I took it as, well, I should be starting. I should be playing more. I should be playing more than Dan. I should be playing more than And I didn't really... He gave me He gave me a lifeline. He gave me, like, a little bit. And I didn't... Because we wasn't friends, I didn't see what he was doing. I took it as, like, fucking 12 minutes. I get fucking five shots. You know, that's huge for a kid. That's fucking a great, like, honour to have, right? I took it as well. Monte Yunus starts for Lithuania. Um, Valentunis, um, I'm going to struggle now to remember. Those. You know what I mean? I'm looking at it as that. And then I'm looking at it as well. These teams are top 10 in the top ten in the world, top 20 in the world, top 30 in the world. And we're GB. And I've just been drafted. I feel like I've proven to Chris now that, hey, I, I, I'm worth it. And I struggled, man. I struggled to, to 
understand my role on the team, but they didn't have someone come over to me and tell me, you know, it's something, man, you Chris is he, he, he's working with you, you know, he's trying to. It's a shame, you know, especially like Tim Lewis, film, film. But they wanted me to figure it out. They wanted me to. Maybe if I just had a little kick or a little nudge into that, who knows? But after that, I, I want Yeah, it was uh, it was sad to watch them. It was sorry, it was sad going on that day and then seeing them at the Eurobars. It was tough. It was tough for me. Do you think? I mean, there's obviously there's quite a common theme here is is the trust issues. I mean, is that something that was unique to basketball, or was that something as a kid that was just always there? Yeah, I mean, I won't go into my childhood, you know. me, you know, in, in basketball, a lot of these coaches and people, they think, this is basketball, leave all your problems at the door, boom, handle your job, do your job, you know, and and that's true in the professional side, but as a youth kid, you know, you need help, and you need to be, you know, you need to take kids under your wing, you need to understand them, you need to know them, you know, it's all good screaming at a kid or telling him to carry the balls or whatever, blah, 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 um, and you need to have discipline, you need to learn to do that, but it, you know, it's it carries on. It carries on. I was, I was telling someone earlier. You know, if you're insecure, if you're a jealous person in a relationship, you know, with your closest partner, your closest person, what do you think you're going to be like on the court when someone's talking bad about you or someone's writing something on you in Twitter? You, you, you can't just turn it off because it's basketball. And I struggled with that, with my you know childhood issues and my trust issues. My trust wasn't broken because of a couple of agents or I got pissed around. No, yeah, um, and it was tough, you know, for them. I think a lot of coaches were intimidated too. I just had Popovich for a whole season, and then I'm now with you. Maybe you're thinking I'm looking at you as lesser or not respecting you. And I think I've come across that way with a few, with people for sure in the past, not meaning to, just with the way I play and the way I attack and the, the way I am. Um, for sure, for sure. Um, but I think it carries over. Everything in life carries over into basketball, um, whether it's people in the media, the coaches, the GMs, the players. I really believe that. There was the Jamaica idea. They were going to play for Jamaica instead. And a lot of people, myself, were, were writing, you can't do that. That doesn't, it's not works that way. Where, where did the idea come from? And how did that, how did, what, so John what, Luke, what transpired with it? Yes, yeah, so Sean Williams, who went to Boston College, was going to wanting to play for Jamaica. Roy Hibbert wanted to play for Jamaica and Big Baby. And I had worked out with those guys before and I'd been in touch with some of them who followed my journey. So they followed the journey and, you know, were like, hey, you know, uh, finally got drafted and they were laughing about how young I was because at 15 I was working out with them at Rice and then <laughs> and then four years later drafted and they're like, wasn't this guy like 25? Um, but it was something they were trying to get together. They didn't get the funding for the insurance because I think Roy Hibbert had a $50 million contract at the time or maybe 45. I don't know what the contracts were. 
and it fell apart. But I was getting agents and people messaging me about it and contacting me about it, and I could have played. You know, I could have played against USA, right? I could have played against in those games. And I'm like, let's do it. Like, if I'm not good enough to make this team, and I feel I'm good enough to make the team, and then they're saying, and I remember the conversation at the rigger. Was like great job with the twenties. You reached your your goals, your individual goals or something. We didn't re- reach. We didn't have success. Next year, we would like to invite you, potentially invite you to the under twenty threes. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, just giving you eight months of the summer. Like I've been here every day. Like I wasn't even allowed to go home uh, after the camp. So I had to stay in the hotel and work out with the Spurs staff and with you know, I gave everything. And uh, that that made me a bit salty, but it wasn't a reaction to me to say, "Well, fuck you, I'm going to go to Jamaica." It was, "Well, they want me now, and I'm going to play now, and we're they're putting something together." So I was like, "Yeah, like I'm game." I didn't. I played for England as a kid. I was proud. My nan was a huge, you know, it meant the world. You know, rest in peace for her. Made a place for England, and I had the jersey and stuff. Um, so GB was an honour. But to me, England more so was more of an honour in my family. It was more like, yeah. So, I and it didn't it didn't go. Obviously, it didn't happen. It didn't get put together, unfortunately. Uh, but if it did, I would have been there without a doubt. I would have tried to to um, represent Jamaica. I mean, I'm you know half Jamaican, half British. What, what would it be amazing about playing for a country for your mother and father? I think that's a great honour. I don't think you. I think some guys are British born, bred, and that, and I was as well, but, you know, you still got to know where you are and where you come from. If you can play for both countries, why not? Um, and, yeah, it never happened, obviously, as you know, and, 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 yeah. Was there something slightly cathartic, though, about coming to play for GB again, just to kind of, I don't know, put a nicer feeling on that whole thing? It was nice. I mean, I was off shoulder surgery. Like, I was fresh off soldier surgery. I shouldn't have been out there. I shouldn't have come. Dan Clark's dad, Mark Clark, I had some great conversations with, sorry, I had some great conversations with him at UEL when I was doing, when I was, I think I was six weeks out of my shoulder surgery, working with Duncan. And, you know, I think he had a vision, you know, he, he what he was trying to put together, you know, me and Dan, and then you got Gabe, and then I think they wanted to get Joel involved. Yeah, I was like, you know, yeah, why not? You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm working out. And I had a setback again with it. But I still was trying to get ready. Um, I had a calf injury as well before I boarded the plane to go to uh, Glasgow, um, and I just wasn't ready. It was it was lovely to be around the boys. It was good to see them again. I'm so proud of what they've done. You know, the last few games um, to see Teddy do so well, to see Gabe fucking you know blossom how he has. Um, Kieran was still around, so it was nice to see him. I think we had the same body at that. Right, we look the same in glass. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing, man, Gareth. Like it was so good to come back, um, but it was a bit of a mess. I felt it wasn't how Chris Finch and Nick Nurse mm. and them guys left it. It was ran so well back then, and and there was so much energy. And not that it wasn't run well, but you could just tell there was issues with funding. And I remember Dan did a did a talk at the end, and it, it was weird because I, I I left it pre Olympics. I come back in. Uh, I think we just got knocked out of the was it Eurobasket. I don't know what we got knocked out of. The, we were trying to qualify for World Cup. It was a World Cup qualifier. World Cup League. Yeah. So it was lovely to come back. It was lovely to come back. Someone asked me the other day, you know, GB, and I said, man, 
I've done it. I've been there. It's been amazing. I said my time's done with them, and I'm just fucking hyped to see these boys play uh, next year, man. You know, I put a video up recently. I don't know if you saw it of me uh, cheering on the boys. Did a little remix of the World Cup, but nah, man. <laughs> together i loved how they played against france and germany i, I felt like you know that's something to say yeah gb basketball it looked smooth it looked fluent it looked like they they, they know who's who who's the guy and they were impressive camp panthers describe it what's the involvement now because you've got you've got a little sort of sideline with with them it all started at the east Cape crusaders with jesse Cesar. Mm. i branched off with two guys they approached me about a club, Kemp Panthers, in Maidstone, an area where um, I live. Um, but it's not the best area. And a lot of kids, we did a open day, we did a two-day open trial, and I think about 300 kids showed up um, from all over different states in that area. And, man, the fights, the, the drama that were happening, man, it was it was great. And, it, and for me, it's a passion thing, you know, it's helping kids that, you know, I don't know if any of the kids will make the NBA. Maybe they will. I don't know. But it's nice just to help a man and to give them a meaning and give them some of the calm and stuff and, and being huge. And it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a, a feel good feeling to me. So um, that's the Ken Panthers. As far as the East Ken Crusaders, it just started off with me working out. At school, uh, a friend of mine had a friend that worked out at the East Kent Crusades, um, and I joined them. And then from there, it kind of sort of snowballed. Um, but yeah, Martin Allen and Jesse Cesar were the guys at the start. Is there something now that makes you kind of 15 years later, given how much they did for you, you look at these little opportunities now to think, yeah, it's, I don't want to say obligation, but you just feel like, yeah, it's, I want to, I want to pass this on. To the younger kids, for sure. I think, I think back in my time, like there was no distractions. There's so many distractions now for the youth. It was like, this is something I want to do. I want to do everything I can do. And they, how can I word it? I feel like now kids don't believe that they can make it. They don't believe they can play in the They don't believe they can, you know, they need a goal or, a, or something to see to say, oh, I can get there. For me, it was Joel. Joel Freeman was that for me. Um, to really think I get to the NBA, but I think a lot of these kids out there just don't believe in themselves. They've got no confidence, you know. They're hunched over. They haven't got the, you know, they don't believe, and it's given them not that you come here, you're going to go to the NBA, but you know, you come here. There's a community, of people that you can trust in, um, and you can kind of build off that. And and it's nice to see a kid that, for example. You know, he might make a move and score and then like, oh, and then, you know, you see he's getting a little bit happier or he makes a jump shot and he's looking for his mum. That's the thing that I get back from them. For me, it's helping the younger kids where if there is any true, true talent or, you know, true potential that can make it to the level that I got to, um, that I just support system, man, support system, support system. You know, don't get with the people that, get with the people that honestly know nothing about basketball. They just have your... You know, best interests at heart because that is once you get to those those moments in life with with combines or with scouts or with trials with all of that, you haven't got that behind you and you haven't got any belief. It's going to be very very hard. So if I can give that to any kids, that that's my that's my giving back. I would say. I mean, a lot of players have done great things. Um, obviously, you got Dan Camp. You know, Dan did his camp and things like that. And I want to try to do something like that also, but. For me, it's more of being a big brother, kind of how Kieran was for me at GB camp back then. Um, 
that, 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 that's that's what I'm, I'm I'm looking at. Just kind of helping out kids individually rather than doing it as an academy or as a club. Um, just coming through when I can. I mean, you talked about believing you can get to the NBA. Does it shock you that here we are 12 years later and not, not a single other Brit has made the NBA draft? Because if I'm honest with you, I don't think there's been any... Like I said to you, like you didn't know me before 19. You know, really, you were saying until the combine blew up. It's, it's, you've got to be a dog, Mark. You've got to be a dog. Like these workouts, they're trying to rip your head off. You know, you've got to be cut from a cloth. Like I say in our work, you know, you know, I get the guys hyped. You know, I talk a lot of shit. You know, in our BBL games, I say these guys here, they, they, they're, they're a bunch of fives thinking they're tens. You know, they're a bunch of two fives. They're all together. You gotta be, you gotta be a little bit not normal here. You know, in your belief of yourself and your killer mentality. Now, of course, you have to be a good guy and say the right things and blah blah blah. But every guy in the NBA is a killer. He is a inside killer, and I think not that we don't have those, but then you need also need the talent and the potential. You know, it, it's a combination. You got to stand out. You know, because you got to remember some of these scouts. A lot of these scouts are ex-players. So if a lot of these scouts are ex-players and they're dogs and they're killers and they know what they like, <laughs> you can't come in on any. Oh, you know, hi, my name's. You got. You got to get it. You got to go get it, man. And, and no cool shit. I thought there's a lot of cool stuff in yeah. England. A lot of players, guys are cool and yeah. And, you know, forget all that. You, this is your chance. And I got I got many chances, but I got them when I was younger. And then when I got my chance, I grabbed it. But I don't think there's been a player as talented as me to come out of the UK ever. I mean that. I think the world Deng, there's players that have a better career than me. There's players that are better than me. I'm not saying that, but talent-wise, like skill-wise, you know, the competitiveness, I think I'm up there. Um, Pops is one, again, complete dog. The world Deng the best to do it but it's rare you know Joel complete dog as well motor dog coming at you coming at you but I think a lot of these players now I hear about them I see about them why did no one know about you until you're 23 or 22 that's what my question is why didn't they know about you when you're 18 why wasn't you dominating everybody at your own age you know or when you went to America why wasn't you just shining it down or... I, I kind of have an old school mentality on that that's kind of how I think a little bit with it think is there a part of you that now you're sort of heading towards that back end of your career? Is there anybody that would really like to have seen? Because obviously the way to get better is playing against really good competition. And that's that's the one thing in terms of, you know, you, you pick and choose that because of where you actually you play. So if you go to the NBA, you genuinely will get better if you play EuroLeague, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a party that would love or was intrigued to know just how, what sort of level you would have reached had you gone through that, that route of being in the top leagues as opposed to some of the leagues that you played in? Well, no, I played in low leagues for, for good money and I played in unique leagues for good money. It, not really, you know. I I think I was an NBA player. I think my style was an NBA player, even more so in today's NBA. It doesn't, it doesn't interest me. A EuroLeague champion... I'm sorry, this is, this is a great accomplishment, nothing to it, but it doesn't excite me, it doesn't impress me. As a kid, I, I, it, it did nothing for me. Um, today, I understand how hard it is to be a reach. I mean, I'm, I respect it and I know that it takes, you know, trust, it takes work, belief, you know, you've got to work hard. I never did it not work hard. But it didn't excite me because I didn't come through those ranks. It's just, I'm just that, honestly, so for me, if I think, oh, if I would have went to Grand Canary and then I would have went there and then I would have went there, you don't know what can be. You get injured, something can go wrong. You can have a problem with the coach, you can have a problem with the GM. They can 
blacklist and you can download anything can happen you can't all you can do is you leave with what you leave with really um but yeah, I, I, if I could go back, I would have said, got a support system around me. It would have been my mum, my agent, for sure. Um, even though she probably would have got scammed a lot of deals, bless her. Uh, <laughs> I would have just, NBA, I would have went to the G League. I would have went to the D League at the time. I went to the G League. I would have stayed in the G League. That's what I would have done. But I, uh, no, I, I, I don't think where I would have been because I'm content and happy with where I am now and I've done so well. So, a part of me is I'm like, oh, I could be playing for Milan right now. Nah, you know, I can't really say that for me. Um, think of the food, think of the suits. No, there, there you go. And they're free suits as well. No, <laughs> or Manny, or Manny clothes I'm, unlimited. Yeah, no, there's those parts. But again, for me, I, I like the NBA. I like the star factor. I like that, you know, you're the man. I like that, you know, it's a dog league. You're killing each other. When I was in Spain, I was... Uh, I, I, didn't, I was only there for three years as a kid, but I was like, this is horrible. Yeah, this, everything's a pick and roll and, you know, the rim running and, and it, I, I just didn't like it. It wasn't, I never liked it. I just was obsessed with the NBA. I was more obsessed with Anne one street ball than I was <laughs> EuroLeague. It's just how I am as a person. Um, but I never wonder where it could have went. My biggest, not regret, but saddest part is my, my CBA. You know, I, I played in the NBA. Uh, smashed it and my final game which I had a contract from uh, CBA team uh, for the following season I got injured uh, I injured my shoulder again uh, in the final game it was evident there wasn't no hiding that it happened and that was that was tough that was hard but again it's an injury you get drafted with double surgery you get right there to the CBA you need another surgery so it's tough but they're injuries I don't think you can blame those on career decisions you're engaged to be married, as you have mentioned. Your wife to be is, is, is American. Yeah. Congratulations enjoying the club of Brits who have scored an American other half. Um, where's the future, here or there? Uh, it's gonna be here. It's gonna be here for um for now. For uh, my missus is getting into she's gonna be doing nursing in the southwest, so we're gonna be based down that way. Um and we'll see. I don't know. You know, there's some places I still wanna play. The great thing about being 15 and playing professionally is you make a lot of contacts. So a lot of guys at my teammates now are coaches. So who knows? You know, maybe we'll end up somewhere sunny and nice and, and, and next year. But I'm happy. You know, I love playing Surrey. I love the whole Scorchers situation. Um, I love that no one, you know, we don't have any respect. I love that people count us out. People that, you know, I love it. And um, I've already told them enough that, you know, they're not reaching the final. So that's fine. I've already told the boys. Uh, and it, I like it. I like it. I'm very, very happy in, 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 in Surrey. Uh, but with the missus base down there, I'll get her set up. And maybe, maybe I'll come back to Surrey. Maybe I'll go back overseas somewhere. Maybe you end up in Plymouth because it'll be very handy. Yeah, maybe Plymouth. I think for me, I, I would play. I, I would play anywhere in the Vivia. But it's now I'm at an age where if I'm going to go away from home, then I want it to be more convenient or obviously financially beneficial but maybe maybe who knows but the beauty of it is is you don't know where as 23 countries will tell you you don't know where boss is going to take you uh just make sure you enjoy it man and you just be smart with what you make korea i was talking to Creon a few weeks ago and yeah. obviously there's an point where he moves you to coming off the bench and i said you know how's he taking it and he said he's great he just does his role he understands that you know that's the way for him to be effective you know he's praising the way that you train and you practice to the hilt 
you know, at this stage, you know, what's the motivation? You know, how do you stay motivated, you know, to come into practice in the morning, find something to improve, work on something, go to a game, you know, in a league that's you know, not the strongest one that you've played in, but to, to come out there and keep doing this. I mean, is how long is this motivation going to last? How long do you want to keep prolonging this career? Oh, I think first one is that I still got it, as Matthew Bryan can tell you from the other day. <laughs> two, two is 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 this a pandemic? So it's a pandemic, so it's nice to have something to do. And three, I'm getting married in Mexico, so that's you know, I can't wear a black suit. It's going to be on the beach, and I'm going to be wearing very tight clothes, so I need to lose a couple of pounds. But it, 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 it's the competition. It, it's that. Everyone, I like being the underdog. Everyone's counting out the scorchers, and we're gonna we're two games away from a final. Now, does the trophy final? How much does it mean to me? Does it, you know, is, am I going to get a huge, massive bonus? No, but it, it, it's nice to be around guys that haven't had those experiences, and you can give that to them. You know, you can give them like, you know, wow, I'm going to be in the final, and I can see in their eyes that like, this is a big, big deal to them. You know, to me, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal if I can play on the underdog team, and now. You know, beat Plymouth, who are a very good team. Uh, if I can beat the Lions or beat any London team, you know, being a boy from Kent. Um, but for me, the motivation goes as long as the body, you know, as long as the body's still going and it's not hurting, it's not aching, it's not painful. I, I, I'll keep doing it because I'm at a stage now I want to figure out what I want to do next. And um, I'm comfortable where I can take, you know, um, the time. Um, but for me, I'll probably say it's that, you know, it's showing guys that, all right, you know, because I think a lot of guys in the BBL, this is, you know, this is their life. You know, this is big for them. You know, this, and it's not about them as a player, but like, you know, they're 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 engaged. They're in the whole community, the whole thing. I just want to be around the people I like, which is here, you know, and enjoy it. I don't really. It doesn't get me that excited. But I hear, you know, the boys. They know how to get me going. You know, they like to talk. <laughs> but they're saying you're done, or they're saying blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you know. Game, so. so, oh, okay, he's got in a little bit still, but that's it for me. I, I like being around people I like. If it was a team, you know, if it was a DBL team that offered me more, more money, and I didn't like them, I'd be like, I'm a good man. I'd rather be around people I like at this stage. When you're when you're all done with this career, what would you like people to say about you as a player? I would like people to say, you know what, I went to bed early before him. I didn't eat fried food. I did drink any busy drinks, stretched before bed, and I stretched my work in the morning, and I watched these highlights before I had the game, and sent him right every time. That's enough for me. Just for them to be like, Jesus Christ, this guy's a killer. Like, he's going to rip my head again. And that's it, man. You know, I, I like people to you know, go along the way, and I meet people, just in Chicago, I spend a lot of time like, man, you were tough. You were tough. And it's nice to have that that's difficult from certain athletes. But it's nice to have that respect to people like, shit, you know, I'm playing right. Anyway, I need to and you had some fun along the way. And you had fun along the way. A lot of fun. To me, what people say about me, I, yeah, again, I could tell, I couldn't care that. Maybe if I cared more, I would have had a better career than people like you and your opinions. But, you know, it's a pretty cool life. You don't care about what people think about you. You have a lot more fun. Yeah, I, I've, I've taken that. To good, you know, good use from time to time, <laughs> as you need to in this business. Um, it's been great spending time with you. It is always entertaining, always a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing. Enjoy the rest of the season. Um, yeah, 
be a good trophy winner's medal would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Put, put that on the medal piece in the future. Bring some silverware for the, you know, bring it home. Coming home. Yeah, anyway, thank you very much for your time. Ryan Richards, thanks for joining the MVP cast. No, I think you're welcome. Take care. That's it for this edition. Brought to you with our sponsors at Total Environmental Compliance. Search charge for them on Google or give them a follow on social media at TV Compliance Limited. You can get all our previous editions as ever at MVP247.com where you can also sign up for the post up our new weekly newsletter. Or if you want to reach me, get me on Twitter at Mark Bripple. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very, very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you for listening and it's bye for now.